Backchat Studios is a part of the ACAST Creator Network. Head to backchatpodcast.com.au to sign up as a patron and access all of our merch. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Backchat Basketball Show back again. Hello at backchatpodcast.com.au to send us an email or backchat underscore basketball on Instagram. Follow us there, see what we're up to. If you're not already doing this, have a look on YouTube. We actually put our episodes up there as well, so you can go and subscribe uh, there. It just lives on the Backchat Studios YouTube page. you also find Fat Chat, which is another podcast in the network. And the host of Fat Chat is Jared. And today... He's speaking with Reese Vague. Now, it's a little different on the Backchat Basketball Show today because usually I'm interviewing the guests, but we both wanted to speak to Reese, um, Jared and I, and we thought, let's just make him do the one interview instead of being on both of our podcasts. So I thought, I'll just steal their interview and we'll play it on our feed today for the Backchat Basketball Show. It's a lot of basketball chat. It's great. Jared's a great host as well. Asks a lot of good questions. Uh, Reese has got some elite stories. He's a four-time champion at the Perth Wildcats. Played in Japan. Now to sign a new deal to play at the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. So he's back in Australia. It's a really good chat. Enjoy it. And I'll be back next week and we'll probably talk NBA Finals. It's probably going to be Heat v Nuggets. Huge. Welcome back to Fat Chat by Body Magic. Now, the guest I've got today, he's a mate from way back. I'm so excited to have him on uh, for the podcast episode today. He's a four-time NBL championship player with the Perth Wildcats. He's a boomer superstar. He's just got back from playing in the B-League in Japan, and he's just signed a two-year deal with the South East Melbourne Phoenix in the NBL. Uh, Mate, great to see you, please. Everybody, Reese Vague, welcome to the show, Reese. What an intro, that was unreal. Yeah, mate, really good so, about myself. so good to see you. We were sort of like, you know, talking 10 minutes before we got on here, and I was going, save all this good chat. But <laughs> we actually get on the podcast. But man, good to see you. What's been going on? Good to see you too, mate. Yeah, this is our first official chat since I've been back, so we've got a lot to cover. Absolutely. How was uh, the rest of Japan? Just got back. Yeah, no, it was awesome. Like, great experience. Three years there, so kind of i think it was time to come back totally. but um definitely gonna look back on it fondly for sure why do you think it was kind of time to come back what were you feeling i don't know it's just kind of um i've done the nbl before and it was more just like i want to see if i can do that again totally. like you know like a little bit of unknown want to test myself a little bit yeah definitely Something. and who are the other guys that you're playing with over in big league you were with angus brand angus as well brand, you played yeah. with in perth obviously nick k is over there yep doing great absolutely um, andrew it. ferguson as well another perth boys i met over ferg there. as well when i was over yeah, there he's a great fella big fergie yep. yeah he's doing well over there it's a bit of an aussie takeover at the moment yeah, yeah. big time well how we actually know each other me and reese so we go way back so <laughs> it goes back to junior basketball days where 
I'll, I'll tell the story. This is how I, I remember Reese. So it was probably like under 12. We were playing Wobble. We were playing with Kobe. I was playing with Lakeside. I was mm. never any good, but, you know, you are is pretty good. But about under 12s, you were not the shape you were <laughs> right now at all. This was not the shape that Reese was. He was a little bit... A little bit rounder, maybe rotund. Yeah, 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 yeah. A little bit, yeah, a little bit wider, but uh, nowhere near as tall. But then we come back the next season, we haven't seen you for six months, and all of a sudden, you're a foot taller, mm. and you just shot up like this. And then you know how you know regularly everybody kind of mellows out with the juniors. You just kept that same distance the whole time, yeah. so which is a little bit annoying. But yeah, then I'm a front runner for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then from that, we also then uh, uh, went to Willerton High School. Uh, together for a short period of time, which you were gun out. We'll go into that in a little bit. Um, but um, before we go into all of your career and everything, we sort of got the word out. This was me and Dan as well um, to uh, to people that know you and said you're coming on the show to get a little bit of uh, backstory and info from you. So it's fun. This is a just a true or false one. Is this true that you were part of a gang in Perth? The Westview gang? Have you heard true. of the Westview? You're true? true? Yeah, so that gang consists of Mitch Norton, Nick Kay. It's an exclusive gang. Yeah, exclusive yeah. gang. So in the gang, what I heard, again, let me know if this is true or not, uh, that the entire first season that you guys were living together in the Westview gang, you didn't cook yourself a single meal and your mum would come on over and drop your little frozen meals every day. Is that true or false? That's true. That's true. That's good, true. good, good. But good. who in their right mind would cook if someone can cook for You're you? You're actually bang on there. When I heard that, I was like, oh, well, fair enough. I actually still live at home and mum actually cooks me dinner most nights anyway. Yeah, so I, good, I'm, eh? in, I'm yeah. in no, no position to be talking any shit about that. The other one I've also got, this is a, a photo that got sent in. Oh, I just want to see if you uh, can recognise this man that's on the photo here. So, uh, do you recognise this guy? <laughs> I'm going to show. I'm going to show the camera. So, this is a face. <laughs> I don't know if the camera can get right in there. We'll put it up otherwise. But did uh, Damien had, Martin give that to you? That was uh, who was that one that gave us? Chance, oh, Chance, yeah, uh, uh, Jacob Chance. So uh, pretty much it's uh, you, you're missing a tooth by the looks. Um, you've got uh, some swelling over the nose. You want to tell us what happened? Apparently nah. there's a story behind it. I think we're going to move on from this one. <laughs> nah. no, I want to know. Right. It's, a, it's a long story. All right, so it starts off uh, pre-season, right? You try and like sort of get out of the basketball grind and, and do something a bit different. So Trev thought it would be a good idea for us to do a Navy Day. Nice. So I think we go out to, to Garden Island you go on the ships and stuff yeah so so we took a ferry a little boat over to garden island and we're, we're having a great time like doing all this team building stuff like like putting out fires like great. like stopping floods like doing all these like dragging boats along the soft sand which is tough and it was honestly one of the most difficult things i've ever done so like we get to the end of the day accomplished everything like everything great no one's injured no one's hurt and we just like finish everything so early so like well, can we do a tour of like one of the naval ships, right? So this is all like not planned, just have a good time. Yeah, like, yeah. He's like, yeah, go for sure. So we're like going through these ships and immediately I realized like, all right, these ceilings aren't very high. These aren't <laughs> built for, for, for six foot nine basketball players. They didn't players. think that was going to be the Perth Wildcatchers coming in and out of the boats. No, yeah, no, no. And they were packing it all up because they just come back from somewhere. And so we're going through the boat. I'm like weary of this, like weary, like all like going ducking under everything. And we get to the end of the tour, but there's a big long ladder that goes up to the top. And we're like, can we go up there and like have a look from the top? And they're like, yeah, yeah, go for it. So then. So you're climbing up the ladder. So I'm going first or second. So Derek Cook Jr., I don't know if you remember. Yeah, him, I remember. Yeah, yeah, man. Goes first and he's like, hey, Reese, like how many steps you reckon you can do this in? And I was like, more than you or less, less than you. So he, go, <laughs> he goes up four steps 
straight to the top. I'm like, all right, I'll do He's it. He's an in- athlete as well, like yeah. straight up there. Big yep. dog, right? So I'm like, I'll do it in three. So, <laughs> so I go, maybe covered like six little six steps, one, two, bang, straight three steps, cook him. And I look up at the last second and there's an overhanging bar on top oh. of the ladder. And as I look up, it's too late. I'm powering through this last step. <laughs> third step just is already- straight up, smack bang oh. right on my nose, but it goes down, smacks my tooth like... Oh. And it just drops. I just see my, and I'm just like turn around, and look down, and see this tooth just dropping to the to the bottom of the boat. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's just like that. And your front tooth as well. Yeah. That's so. Gone. Is it? What do you have to do? Did you get it replaced? Yeah, I got it replaced. So, but um, so that's not where the the funny part of the story. That's obviously that's full funny. on. That sucks. Yeah, yeah. Right. But then Adam Ford and Matt Nielsen are down the bottom. Two, coaches, our two yeah. assistant coaches, and the tooth just bounces, and I'm like. <laughs> Like catch it, like yelling at them, <laughs> and they're like yeah, catch what? They're like catch what? And then the tooth just drops, bounces, and falls into the water no. next to the boat. So I'm like, all right, the water's not that deep. Like we should be right. So we're all just looking in the water over the edge, and like, all right, can one of you guys go get it? And then out of nowhere, out of the abyss, this fish swims up. <laughs> Joking? No, 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 whatever. Like this fish swims up from the bottom of the ocean, like and swallows it. No. And swims away, and we're oh. all just like, "What no. the fuck just so happened?" Fish, like honestly, so like what just happened? Some sea monster from the bottom of the yeah. jetty has so come then, up like, and eaten your tooth. Holy some fuck. lucky bastard has got some fish and chips from <laughs> from Rocco, and has got my tooth in it. So, oh yeah. my god, that is all time. Wow. So there's a fish somewhere in uh, Coburn Sound there that's swimming around with one of your tooth, one of your teeth in it. Yeah, that's wild. Fuck me. Yeah. Wow. Great story. That Thanks. was good. I'm glad that we got that sent in. Thank you very much, Jacob. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> so what you have to do to get it replaced? You get just another one in. So I had like a partial, a partial, and then I got a full one put in later. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're good now. You couldn't even tell now. Just letting oh, you know. Pretty, so. appreciate, <laughs> that. appreciate it. Well, that was awesome. Well, uh, before we're going to get into all of your career stuff now, uh, Reese. So want to paint a little bit of uh, a picture about uh, your achievements and accomplishments so far um, with uh, playing for all the teams all around the world that you've been at. Um, so let's sort of go right back to the start of your basketball journey, you growing up. So how did you first get into basketball? And was there somebody that, you know, inspired you to do it? Did you have an yeah. older brother or yeah, um, so someone else? I first got into basketball watching my older brother play at Leeming Rec Centre Good. on yeah. like Saturday morning. Have you mornings. been down to Reem, Leeming Rec lately? It's no good. Not in the last year. probably the year same rings as <laughs> Yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, nah, so I watched him play and I was playing footy at the time. I was footy crazy at Did that you? point. Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't too big a fan of basketball, but like, I don't know, like if you, you don't have any older siblings, but like watching him do it, I was like, all right, I want to be better than be him. That. I want to play basketball. So then went down to, to Coburn and just entered in like the mini ball comp when I was about seven. So then that's when I first started playing basketball. There you go. And yeah. then were you always playing with your brother? You're out, you're out in the courts, playing one-on-one? Yeah, yeah. So he was a, he's four years older than me, so he was a bit bigger than me at that point. Honestly, yeah. everyone that ends up being a professional athlete has someone that beats them down as a kid, oh, I swear. It's actually yeah. just like a thing. Yeah, I caught up pretty quick because I was a fat little bastard. But, <laughs> but um, no, yeah, it was definitely... Is he as tall as you? He's about 6'5". Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, nice. Did he end up doing basketball all the way no, through? No, no, he's not a basketball player. No, no, I'm the only one in the family that's You beat him player. down after that. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, yeah, he's good, just defeated. That. And then when you went to, so obviously we know each other from being at uh, Willerton High School. So you went to Willerton, uh, part of the basketball program there. The memory that I've got of the one time that I played you ever, you probably wouldn't even remember this, but it was 
we got matched up. Why <laughs> I was matched up with you for one session was just ridiculous. Anyway, it was first to eleven, yeah. just one on one. Yep, cool. We had Mr. Forsyth, who was Forsy. like the the um, the teacher coach yeah. uh the, the the main guy running the program he was watching us the whole time i'm like don't watch this this <laughs> is gonna be trash <laughs> comes out reese beats me 11 0 i'm getting blocked i'm going well this is fucking terrible you're laughing away having a great time but uh how was your time at willerton yeah you quit basketball after that, i literally yeah, quit yeah. basketball after i don't think i played since so thanks for that no Dick. no willerton was awesome i was uh obviously i knew Fawzi from from Coburn days, so he was the one that, that got me down there to try out and um, a gun, yeah. yeah, great guy, yeah, awesome dude, and um, yeah, so I really enjoyed my time there. Got to go to a school nationals, like just the fact I was training twice or like two mornings every week and had games, like just added on to already my wobble commitments and state commitments and stuff. Like I think that just taught me a bit of work ethic, which. Like from an early age, which I think is really important. Most definitely. I mean, like from, again, my memory from you at school for the time that we were playing, you were always doing so much extra stuff. Like, you know, you, oh, you yeah. were first one shooting, your last one shooting. Um, you Like you said, you were doing your wobble training, plus you were doing all the stuff at school. You didn't miss any of them. It was mm. just you know, so much volume, which we'll go into later on um, a little bit more about like your physical training and, and sort of what you've been doing uh, the last few years to get where you are. But from that, you then got a invite or did you go try out for the Perth Wildcats to be part of a development squad. How did that come about? Yeah, so um, briefly before that, I was at um, I was touring the Institute of Sport, they were, and they were considering offering me a scholarship then. But then around the same time, I get an email from Adam Ford at the Wildcats just saying development player trials are opening up. Like, if you'd like to come down, because I went down the year before that and didn't get. And how old were you at this point? Seventeen. Uh, Seventeen turning eighteen. I'm yep. pretty sure. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so then I, I went down, got through the first set of, of cuts and then kept training with the cats. And then, then there were, I think there were two more cuts after that and managed to survive those. And then I think maybe a quarter of the way through the season became a development player for that year unreal and yeah. like again another memory of us i remember sitting in the same row the same <laughs> member seats row f with you for multiple seasons as we're growing challenge up challenge stadium challenge right. stadium yeah. man like and then you've gone from sitting in the stands to playing for uh, the wildcats yeah, that you've been um, sitting in the stands and sitting on the bench and pretty then, cool yeah, i was then, pretty jealous uh, yeah. i was pretty jealous <laughs> but uh so when you started uh, with the cats as a development player the coach was trevor gleason how was that yeah trev's yeah trev's one of the best coaches going around in australian basketball like so you will like he's he demands the best of you and he's if he doesn't get it out of you you're not going to play tough but man yeah tough man for sure but um looking back on it now i think it was super important to my my growth and development having yeah. trev there absolutely and i mean you played with so many uh great big names at the wildcats damien martin greg hire bryce cotton list goes on for you know how successful that you guys were in that period where you won four championships is there one championship that like really stands out for a year that you know you really found that you develop lots mm. and you improve your skills and also um tell us a little bit about your teammates that were part of uh, those championships as well yeah i think the one that stands out for me the most was the one that we won in melbourne it was my first year as a contractor player after four years of being dp um we yeah we ended up going to melbourne and winning it in their gym which was an unreal feeling had so everyone's good. family around there too so it was sick like the only bad part is we had to fly straight back after the game is this the one that you end up doing like your celebrations or something in some cricket club or something yes, like that that's yeah, the I think one Greg so, was telling me about that so we, yeah so we win in melbourne like vibes are high we're having a great time and then a reality check hits us we have a flight in like an hour and a half 
like, oh, shit, all right. So then we get back. Everyone goes home. Some people shower, some people don't. And we end up at a cricket club in the middle of nowhere. Awesome. Just, yeah. And you're, you're the NBL champions in some random cricket club. Yeah, just. With like <laughs> just the team, which half you're was not kind showered. of fitting. Like, yeah, half of us not showered, but it was kind of fitting that it was just, we are just around the guys and the family and stuff like that, which is really cool. We celebrated more after that, but yeah, it was really cool to share that with them. Absolutely. And then your teammates, has there been some that have been like really influential for your development, people that have sort of taken you under your under their wing a little bit in yeah, terms of your, uh, your progress and growth? I mean, like living with Nordo and Nick was huge because they're obviously, they've been around the block. They they know what they're doing. They're, they're relentless workers. So seeing that, they didn't really take me out of the wing per se, but, but being around them and just seeing sort of what it takes to be a true pro was cool. Um, when it, when, I'm, when we're talking about legitimate people that took me out of their wing and sort of treated me as, as their rookie a little bit, probably Jesse was yep. a big one for me. Greg as well with the leadership sort of stuff. But Jesse and I are similar positions. We play sort of the same way. So he was he was always in my ear about stuff. And Sean Redditch too, to be honest. He, I was more early days of my career, but... Yeah, those, those three guys are, are huge. And just massive names in NBL, all those guys that you just mentioned. Yeah, so, uh, it's all pretty, pretty at least cool to like four-time champions. Like, yeah, it's unreal. Yeah. So then after your time at Perth where you won four championships, which is unreal, you got more, almost one for every finger. Mm-hmm. How bloody good is that? Uh, you went on over to the B League in Japan. So why did you want to move to Japan? Was it for more opportunity? Um, or was it, surely you would have got like college offers as well throughout that time, no? Uh, college... College was a bit earlier when I was being a DP. I kind of made that early choice when I was about 18 and I didn't want to go to college because I wasn't a huge academic. Yep. Like I wasn't big on school, didn't enjoy going to school. So um, made that choice pretty easy early on. I but think they have people that do the schoolwork for you though. Yeah, I think yeah. If you're good you, enough, you pay them enough, me. they'll yeah. do it for you. But uh, <laughs> no, nah, like I think it was definitely opportunity-based. Um, it was the COVID year. I didn't play a whole lot that season. So the options were kind of slim. And my agent, who actually represents Paul Hanare too, who's mm-hmm. now the Shimano head coach with Nick, yep. was the coach of the team I played for, uh, ended up playing for. So it kind of worked out super well that he was looking for a guy in my position at the time. And Rogley, my agent, hits me up and he's like, I know you want to play in Australia, but like, would you consider playing in Japan? And I hadn't given it much thought, but I was like, and pretty much me, I was like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, let me know what they think, like obviously what the offer is and all that. And, and then let's get the ball rolling. Yeah, that's so, yeah. awesome. And that's the cool thing about basketball is there's so many leagues and so much opportunity all around the world. So there's, you know, the Japanese league, there's stuff in Asia, there's stuff in Europe, you know, it's all over the place. There's all these leagues going on, which is pretty cool. So then you join up uh, your team in Japan, which is the Kawa. Kagawa. Kagawa, yeah. yeah. Five arrows. Yeah. Uh, what was that like? And what was the difference do you, f- do you feel that you found with the NBL and going to the B League? Yeah. Japan's got some rogue team names. They just, do. Just quietly, <laughs> just quietly. And they're sponsored by like all these yeah, random companies yeah. and stuff. Um, yeah, it was a great experience. Like it was a, it was a, the first year there was a shock to the system. Yeah. Because I'm so different. Eh? Yeah. I go from living in, like I've lived in Melbourne, Perth. To living in this small town in Japan that's like three, not even 300,000 people, which in comparison to cities in Japan, you've been there like yep. most of them have like upwards of six, seven million people roaming around. So like to have 
very limited access to the food I'm used to eating, no family, no friends. That was no the thing friends. that like, got me just for, I was only there for a very short amount of time. Obviously, you were there for three years, but the food, like, oh, oh my God, like there's only so much um, so katsu, everything that you can eat. You're like, fuck yeah. me, I need something that's not deep fried for a bit. Yeah, I put on like 10 kilos early season. So. Yeah. <laughs> but um, nah, like the coffee as well, like it's tough to find good coffee yeah. out there. Especially Starbucks in, everywhere, every uh, 50 meters. Yeah. <laughs> not going to get any Starbucks sponsorships after this pod, but I'm not a fan. Not a fan. But um, yeah, no, it was definitely a reality check for sure. Like going from being like the most professional club in Australia or basketball-wise in Australia to, to there, like where they don't even have a training gym that's yours. You're sharing it with like old yep. people playing table tennis. Yeah. Like, like it was yeah, a reality check for it's, sure. It's just so different, isn't it? Yeah. It just makes you realize how much you love basketball to be doing this. Like like instead of doing what I was doing before. Totally. And uh, the imports that are over in Japan, there's a lot of lot of guys that have either played, <coughs> sorry, either played in the NBL uh, or have been imports for the NBL that are over there mm. as well, um, which was like really interesting to see. So like the guys that I saw when Nick was playing, John Mooney was on uh, the other team, Vic Law. Um, yeah. there, was, uh, there was another guy from that was a, an Australian. Anyway, but there's just so many crossovers from the NBL to there. In terms of the actual like gameplay, what did you think? is the biggest difference between NBL and the B-League? Um, it's a lot more, with imports, it's a lot more one-on-one focused. Like you have to be able to go out and get a bucket by yourself at times. Like you'll get to late shot clock and someone's just going to throw you the ball and be like, here, good luck. And be like, all right. So that took a bit of getting used to. You have to sort of expand your game a little bit in that area. Um, there's a lot more like fast pace shots getting up that yep. would be considered questionable out here. Um, yeah, defense isn't, a real big focus a lot of the time too with some teams that just try and outscore teams but uh all in all the competition's actually really good over oh, there. Oh, it's really but, strong. Yeah. Like I said there's so it's many crossovers with the players. So yeah. it's But like also like every league in the world plays a different style of basketball. Japan's got their style. You see it on their national team like European countries have their style and Australia's got its own style too so it's just yeah. There's just something. It's not bad, just different. Yeah, totally. And then the uh, the actual fans in Japan, I thought they were just amazing. Oh. So, uh, I don't know if it, I'm sure it's probably the same for for your team, but like Nick's team when I went and watched a few of the games, they've got like a certain clapping sequence, so mm. it's like go go magic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they've got like and that's all you can do. You're not allowed to yell. You can't stand up. You can't be like animated at the games as a, as a supporter. Yeah. Um how did you find that? Was that like a bit bit different for you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't do our clapping sequence because it'd probably be a bit inappropriate. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, like it's weird. You see on the side, they've got all these like little posters. They've made like a teddy bear of they've you just, or something like that. They've done like t-shirts of yeah, you, all sorts insane. of stuff. insane. Like, yeah, like I've gotten some weird gifts out there. But uh, no, nah, it's, it's really cool. They get around it regardless of whether you win or lose. They're just always that there. That is the thing that I, the next question I had for you was compared to like now coming back to the NBL in terms of the fans, I'm sure it was that even like a thought process that uh, obviously the NBL, you look at like a Facebook post, you look at the, you know, the papers, whatever. You have one bad game and everyone's on you. Yeah. Versus over in Japan, when you look on the same pages, everybody is so po- positive. You know, you brought honor to us today, even though you lost by 30 <laughs> yeah, yeah. points. It's like, like you it's, fought really hard. It's and so positive and it's like such a contrast to like what uh like western sport is I yeah guess. like like it's so positive i think there's a catch coming like i was like yeah. what, are you gonna, what are you gonna say next yeah then, like, exactly it is like um 
No, I didn't. I didn't think about that too much, but I'm sure I'm going to get some some interesting messages for sure. That's after right. There'll be the Japanese ones in the in the comment section as well. Just buffering. they'll be backing up for me, <laughs> yeah. like just like how dare you? Like, but yeah, no, like um, for sure. I'm, I didn't give it too much of a thought, but it's yeah. Now thinking about it, it's definitely going to be a bit different. Yeah, most definitely. And then from being in Japan, doing the B League, this opportunity has come up to come back to Australia and be part mm. of the NBL with Southeast Melbourne. Yeah. How did that all come about? Uh, and uh, how did you come to that decision? And are you excited to get there? Yeah, uh, it came about by um, towards the end of my season, just had a couple conversations with with then the, the CEO, Tommy Greer, um, nothing really just sort of just seeing how i was doing like nothing crazy and then once the season finished in japan it was um uh mike kelly had been appointed the head coach and and he called me and just to see where i was at what i was doing and i'd been lucky enough to do some stuff on the boomers with him so i've had a bit to do with him and next thing came to it i got offered a, a pretty decent deal like two-year deal in in southeast and it was hard to turn turn down so that's how that came about. But um, I'm really looking forward to it. Like I said, like I really like Mike as a coach. I think... It's good that you've worked with him previously as well. I've exactly. only heard really good things from everybody about Mike Kelly as well. Yeah, yeah. Like he's a really nice guy, but uh, once he gets down to business, he's he's a businessman. Like he, go, he goes to work, like which is what I really respect about him. Um, I think another exciting part is the squad they've got there. I think the squad Southeast can really make some noise this year. They've been so close the last two years. They have making, been. They've just been on just on the yeah, just on the verge of like the four. Yeah. For sure. So after the, we get these next two imports squared away and another local, I think it's gonna be it's gonna and be. And Reese Vage is draining freeze the whole time. You'll be absolutely laughing. Just gotta do my do my best. Yeah, yeah. That. And was there anything all right, this is a little bit off the wall, but was there any reason for you coming back because the lady situation in Japan obviously oh. is very different, <laughs> very different. Reese is a single yeah, man. You're gonna get me in trouble here. I mean <laughs> I'd be lying if I said it didn't play a little factor for sure. Well he's that an is... absolute stud. He's gotta come back here because it's Mate. so different. Like you don't just like go out partying and I had some like, fun yeah, yeah, in yeah. Japan for sure. But like the first year was a, an adjustment period, we'll totally. say that. It's a different word for it, but um, yeah. there's, there's an adjustment period. But um, no, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Good no, answer. Yeah. We'll leave it there. That's good. All the single ladies out there, hit Reese up. Um, and uh, you've been, uh, you've been, you've been part. He's desperate. He's been. He's coming all the way back from Japan for that. Um, so you've been part of the Boomers squad as well. What's the Boomers like to play for? Because again, you only hear such great things about everybody that's been part of the Boomers um, uh, camps and squads. Um, what's it like to be part I'm of a team? It like best basketball experience i've ever had in my life and that'll hold true with whatever i do next like it's gonna like it was just unbelievable being in that around in and around that culture uh like words can't really describe but um, so what makes it so good mate you just have to be there to understand you like, just gotta do it well i'm never gonna be there Reese, all right sorry it's hard. i can i can kind of like you're the, the closest i'm gonna get literally like oh you got nick k going <laughs> being the olympian stuff mate. don't even start um like the mateship about it. Like you play, go play in professional leagues and, and you can be as close to those guys as you want. There's always a business side of about it where, where you're here to support your family, you're here to put food on the table, you're here to buy nice things with your money. Like it's so money focused. Whereas you go to a boomers camp or a boomers window and play for them, everyone is just about playing for the next guy. Like everyone is just about how to get this team a win, how to represent your country the right way. And that is so rare 
in today's basketball like because you can be as good a bloke as you want it's always going to come down to dollars and cents like it's always it yeah. has to because you need to make them that's what we do it for to make a living but once you you get to that sort of system it separates it like it's not about the money anymore you're doing it for the love of the game for the love of your country for the love of the mate next year like that's that's as as well as i can put it like yeah that's pretty much it hey legends how you doing quick little break in the podcast here just a reminder it'll take you 20 seconds of your time and be doing me a massive favor if you wouldn't mind following or subscribing on uh, youtube apple music or spotify wherever you're streaming it would be great really goes a long way into getting great guests like reese that sit next to me right now and all the other guests that i've had on the podcast uh continuing to come back and it just takes 20 seconds of your time i'd owe you two favors you can ask what those favors are later and i uh, really appreciate it back to the pod here we go so what I've always admired about uh, watching your journey, Reese, and uh, you know, seeing you even from a junior age is how so you've obviously been really talented, but of how hard of a worker that you are as well. So I'd love to deep dive into that a little bit and talk about uh, how you've made the most of all the opportunities in your career thus far in terms of everything performance. So everything to do with your physical, uh, your diet, uh, your mentality, um, recovery, all that sort of stuff, and your skills as well. That would be great to hear. So let's kind of start off with the physical and, and mm -hmm. diet side of things. So when you first signed up to the Wildcats as a DP, um, what was the goal in terms of physically? Were you trying to change your body? Were you trying to put on some size? And how did you do that? Uh, the, the goal, I came into my first year as a DP a bit overweight, actually. Like yep. I was probably about like 110 and were my really? skin, skin folds are a bit high. Mm. So the goal was to sort of um, drop some weight, but without losing any strength and without, and like by gaining a bit of quickness too, because I was a little bit slow. I was playing a bit more the five than the four at that stage, and that wasn't going to be my position for the future. So um, I had a meeting with like nutritionists for the, for the club and, and worked with Josh Kavanaugh, who's the strength coach there, who's amazing at his job. And we just pretty much laid out a plan for me for the whole whole season to see where I, like uh, to sort of plan out where I needed to be at, at each different interval, like month by month by month. So I had like weight targets to hit. I had uh, like, because I wasn't playing a whole lot, I had like four to five gym sessions a week, yep. extra cardio sessions on top of that. And and obviously with the nutritionist getting my diet in check because I was 18, I was living at home, like I was just eating what was put in front of me. So whatever mum was dropping over. Yeah, yep. exactly. <laughs> so it was just sort of um, growing up a little bit in that sense and realizing that I had to be more accountable for my body. Definitely, uh, yeah. yeah. And then in that uh, period as well, you touched on it then that because you're a, a development player, for anyone that maybe doesn't know what that is, it's sort of like at the end of the games, if you're up or down a little bit, you might get a little bit of court time. So yeah. you're not exactly playing a lot of minutes. So what were you doing extra in those sessions to sort of compensate for you maybe not playing as much uh, on, on the game days? Yeah, so like we always say with DPs, training's not over when it's finished. Like for you, you have to get out after for an extra probably 30, 30 to an hour like and do another session because you might be standing on the sideline for pretty much all of practice. So you can go like all of practice, stand on the sidelines thinking you've you've had a good session and that's it and get nothing out of it or can or you can go and, and get your own work like after that and coaches are always there to help you out. So it was definitely like extra sessions after practice, even shooting on the court like at, at REC after games and stuff like that. Did you shoot after the games too? Yeah, yeah. When when they were packing down, we were allowed to wow. go out and do some sessions out there. 
we'd come in, ex do an extra session, at shoot around if you weren't suiting up. Like it was just all about the extras because if you're in that sort of 12th, 13th, 14th man role, you have to kind of separate yourself by doing more work. Otherwise, you're just going to be stuck in that. Well, another thing I can remember as well is after watching a Wildcats game, say that was on like a Friday night or a Saturday, I'd go down to Revo Fitness that I was training at and yeah. be there as well. Yep. We'd do sessions together. Like we're just coincidentally there at the same time. And you've, you know, you've played played the night before and you're we were killing doing all... me on the air. Bike. Yeah, man. Well, I was, man, I was vomiting after some of those oh, sessions. They man, were I've got a video on my phone still. Yeah. That. <laughs> you might, you was... might actually have to send me that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah I was cooked. Like I'm, I'm cut out for basketball fitness, but not. Yeah, it's a, it's fitness. a different yeah, it's yeah. a different thing. Yep, yeah, totally. But um, so you, you touched on that all all about your performance and what you were working on. The other thing that you've sort of changed physically as well, very uh, progressively over the years, is how much muscle that you've got on you now. Mm. Have you been following anything in terms of like a weights program or a strength program the last few years? Or um, yeah, yeah. So consistently, I'll be following a strength program year round like um do they do as much of that in japan or not as much they do but it's different yeah. i wasn't really vibing with it too much so i was i was getting programs from australia sent over and doing my own thing yep. that way so um yeah it like i'm a creature of habit when it comes to when it comes to that like i i've got my routine that i've probably done for six seven years now like or maybe eight even that I uh, consistently do and uh, I find that it works for me and it's just all about sort of trial and error too as something starts to feel a little bit off, tweaking a little bit yep. and, and just sort of figuring out how to keep the body happy. And what does that actually look like for you in the gym? Are you focusing on like power uh, training stuff? Are you focusing more on strength? Are you doing more like band it's resistance? Like phases, like, like four week sort of phases. Like uh, at the moment I'm in, um, I'm off season mode. So yep. I'm, I'm in my, my um, strength phase at the moment. So but uh, lifting heavy, clanging lifting, and banging. Exactly, yeah. clanging, clanging nice. and banging for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, but definitely throwing power is super important. Obviously, you have to stay explosive. Endurance a little bit less when it comes to basketball because it's more quick up and down, not not continuous running. But it's always good to have your lungs behind you. But yeah, definitely at the moment, definitely in a strength phase. Yeah, great. And then when you're in Japan, you mentioned a little bit before, obviously the food and the diet is uh, very, very different of what you can just yeah. sort of even go into the supermarkets and just get and cook. How did you go when you're away? What were you doing with your food? I became a bit of a chef over there. Did you? I'm nice with good. it Good. Your yeah. mum will be so happy. That's so good. No, nah, she'll be upset. She can't cook anymore. <laughs> what were you cooking? You name it, mate. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Really? No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, like... The thing about Japan too, I'm sure you noticed, there's no breakfast culture there. No, we're you can't even get eggs people. or anything. Yeah. No, no, like we're big breakfast people over here. Probably have the best brekkie culture in the world. I to agree. go over there, missing my smashed avo, my my eggs Benny and all that. Like, so I had to to adjust to that, having rice in the morning and all that. So jazz. weird, eh? Like, not, like not I was having a, I was having sushi for breakfast. Yeah. I'm like, this is not it. No, nah, yeah. no. Nah. So yeah, so you almost have to stay like, or you actually have to stay a lot more on top of what you're eating over there because everything is fried or cooked in some oils. God and knows stuff. what, yeah, like yeah, yeah. delicious. But, that's great, but not great for you your stomach for when you're running you're around. Like, just give me a break. I just need something that's just been grilled on a pan. Especially and back to back, like two 40 minute games on a weekend. You eat ramen at night. Yeah, you're no. gonna be. 
sloshing around <laughs> your stomach the next day. Yeah, so yeah, you definitely have to be on top of it. And then in terms of like your skills, you've always been a great three-point shooter. That's been like one of the big um, uh, assets of your game. Is there anything that you do week on week or when you're training or extras or anything like that in particular to make sure um, that you just continuing to perfect that craft as best that you can yeah yeah um it's it's about all about reps like you do something enough you're gonna be pretty good at it right so like, what sort of reps do you do when what, what what's a session so, look like yeah so uh, i'll walk you through today's session so today's session was was pretty chill because i'm just getting back into the swing of things after a couple of weeks off so it just starts with like 50 touch shots around the hoop then you go around do 50 mid-range jumpers and then 50 more off the dribble and then get into some some movement like threes just to get the the feet under you. that'll be another probably 50 reps at a time it's all in 50 like rep increments so 10 each spot five spots so you're doing like four or five hundred reps yeah easy like pretty much most days i have a day or two off here and there but um yeah easily four or five hundred reps a day that's huge. Uh, makes, sorry, n not reps. Yeah, and then so in forth. terms of stuff that you were wanting to improve yourself uh, for the time that you're in Japan, was there anything that you were going, yep, this is what I really want to work on with the more opportunity that I'm given over there? Yeah, yeah definitely ball handling. Um, I found that that uh, over there I had the ball in my hands a lot more and it's not something I'm really used to. I'm used to setting screens for Bryce Cotton and popping in, being yep. like, do you want to give him the ball? Nah. Like, <laughs> I would just go then. <laughs> yeah, a bit of Jackie Moon about it. It was like, <laughs> yeah. only if you want it, only if you want it. But um, so then like, yeah, adjusting to actually having to, to come off and be relied upon to score. So like, can't just score one way, you have to score multiple ways. I'm sure like Nick can attest to this playing in Japan too. Like, your game has to change a little bit. You have to adjust. Yep. And I'm probably going to have to adjust again coming back here. It's going to be different. But um, I definitely had to to round out my game more offensively. And then with Southeast, when you've been chatting with them about joining the team just now, what's your role looking like? And is there anything that you're looking to really improve for this, you know, yeah. off-season coming up and season, first season with them? I mean, obviously, I'm playing with Mitch Creek, who's one of the best four, four men in the comp, if not the best. So it's just like... Um, sort of just working around him, see what he brings and then see what I can do to facilitate that. I think the role I'm probably going to have is similar to the role I had when I did the boomers stuff, like come off the bench and, and have a media impact offensively, be a disruptor defensively. Those are yep. the two big things. Um, I haven't had too much of a chat, probably going to have a couple more chats later in the week about it, just to really get the rundown of, of what they expect and what they want me to work on while I'm out here. But early days is that that's the indication definitely and then in terms of your mindset and mentality with uh the experience of uh everything that you've done with the wildcats championship player then going over to japan getting more minutes how has that sort of changed from when you've started the wildcats as, as a development player to now in terms of how you're approaching the game and your confidence and all that sort of thing yeah it's, it's less being less result focused and stuff like that which is fun which is funnily enough like stressing less about stuff not as worried like not not thinking all day about game day like like getting amped up too early just sort of being just rolling into being it. in the moment more than that yeah just rolling into it. it's just basketball at the end of the day like i find i play better when i'm less worried about stuff like it's funny like you think it'd be the other way around you're constantly thinking about it you'll be focused on every single thing you think you'd probably play better, but it's not the case. Like you're too stressed. You're going to be all tight and all that. Just playing freely and, and really getting out of your head 
has been huge for me. So, like, game day, what's it look like for you leading up to the game? How are, do you get there really early and what sort of shots you're putting up? And Game day, like, for me, like, generally if we have shoot around, I won't do much shooting in the morning. I'll probably get to shoot around and just do, like, a massive, like, 30-minute stretch after we get through the offense and, and defenses of the other team in scout. But then um, I'll, I'll go back home, have a meal, Maybe have a nap, maybe not. I'm not too structured on game days, to be fair. But then I'll get to the game two and a half hours early usually, get up my usual shots and my usual mobility work and then a bit of a stretch and then maybe come then come out for the team warm-up and then I'm ready to go. Like yeah, There's wicked. nothing too crazy. So then looking back on everything that you've achieved in your career thus far, and there's going to be so much more still, 17-year-old Reese is about to, you know, be a development player with the Wildcats. What advice are you giving to yourself way back when? If you could just change one thing that you just did a little... We don't re regret anything, but if we could just change something to do it in a bit of a different way, what's the one thing that you think, gee, I wish I knew that earlier? I'm a back 17-year-old Reese. I'm like, you <laughs> No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm just... I would just say stress less. Like, honestly, as cliche as it sounds, like, young Reese was really worried about a lot of things, worried what people thought about him. Like... Like you said before, fans' perception and all that, he was stressed like all the time and probably wasn't a good guy to be around a lot of the time because of that. So, yeah, that'd be the one piece of advice. Did a good job to get me to this point, seven year old Reese. Absolutely. But, he's, uh, done, he's done a great job. But yeah, that'd be a big one for me. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, I'm so keen to see everything that you have uh, going on this year with Southeast Melbourne. Is there anything that you're working on in particular this year that you go, this is the goal for me? Championship. Championship. Southeast Melbourne Championship. That's, yeah, baby. that's the big one. I love it. I love it. Well, mate, thanks for coming on down. It's been so good to chat. No, I uh, can't wait to see you out there in the uh, the green and the black and mate, white. Green, black, white? White, green, black, white. Green, black, I white. can't wait to see you up there, IC Arena. Look up, look up. You know my seats. You know jersey, where the seats yeah, are. Row nice F, give me a wave. <laughs> thanks, mate. Too good. That episode from Backchat Studios lives on the ACAST Creator Network. If you want to sign up as a patron or access all of our merch, head to backchatpodcast.com.au.